We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. Ball comes out of the hands of Newton. It's on the ground, picked up by T.J. Ward at the four-yard line. Vaughn Miller did it again. On Overtime Media. Welcome in, everybody. This is the Dove Valley Deep Divers. I am not Lance. Even though I've got on the ball cap and the glasses, Lance is out tonight. He's taking care of some business. My name is Scott Kennedy. I do Broncos for breakfast in the morning, but I'm doing the night owl show with this guy over here in Alaska. <laughs> uh, Eric Trickle. Eric, how are you doing tonight, my friend? Doing good. I mean, it's a great night. I always enjoy doing the shows and uh, um, sucks to not have Lance, but I'm excited to do the show with you. And I just want to say, those of you that have Twitter, go reach out to Lance and tell him a happy birthday. He just turned 32 years old just a few days ago. So make sure you go wish him a happy birthday. Yeah, I've only got him by two decades. You guys are just <laughs> young. I said it's uh I was the young guy in the room once. Now I'm the old guy. But hey, I, I can I can live with that. We got a lot to get into tonight with a Friday night show. We don't have to look backwards too much. Um, we can look forward. We've got a Saturday night show, uh Saturday night game, Friday night. So we'll do a lot of previews tonight. Uh, we also want to say hello to some folks. We are uh, we go live. One of the reasons we go live is because we love having the community involved in these shows. Broncos country is awesome. Uh, I've loved getting to be a part of it over the last three years and happy to do this show with Eric. So I want to say ho- hello to some folks. David Yonkin coming in. He says, even Eric and Scott, do you guys think that Drew Sanders can step up for Benito or no? Uh, some injury questions coming in. I've seen some of them. Nick Benito is the only one that's been ruled out for the Denver Broncos. He is out. PJ Locke is still questionable. Um, what else did we have on the list? It was Greg Dulcich is he practiced for a day and then he's been out of practice again. So if, if we see him again, just consider it gravy. But what do you think? Does Drew Sanders step into that spy hybrid rusher linebacker, kind of a jack in the box? You know, we, we, they they have lots of different defensive terms depending on where you happen to play for that guy who moves all over the place the way Nick Benito has been doing. Can Drew Sanders do that? I, I sure hope he can. Um, when he filled in, even though you know the last game went so well for the Broncos, when Nick Benito went out, Drew Sanders filled in and it was terrible. Uh, it was not a good game for Drew Sanders. He ended up playing. Like some of the most um, snaps you play, like 32 total snaps on defense. 
hoping that, you know, being having a week of practice in that role, kind of filling in, hopefully you can see it a little bit better out of him. I think you're better off. What's interesting about the role and Benito's not exactly a, a, a salty veteran. He's just a second year guy. Um, I, I think you want to try and replace what he was doing on aggregate. You know, maybe you have Josie Jewell and, um, and Alex Singleton stay in a little bit. If you want to drop guys into nickel, maybe you have Baron Browning drop in and out of coverage a little bit with some zone blitzes or whatnot coming off the edge. And then maybe if I'm going to interchange somebody to rush or play a linebacker position, I might switch Cooper Browning and Sanders in there a little bit, but if I've got a read and react on an RPO type of down, if I see third and three, I don't know if Drew Sanders is a guy I want in there playing that role where I have to react. Now, if I want to say your role is to just go after the, the, the backfield, I'm okay with that. Use your athleticism. Go get it, kid. Yeah, and um, with Browning too, I think that he also can fill in this role. You know, he's highly athletic, and he played that linebacker position there for a while. He's been a spy before. He's done it all throughout his career to be a fit, but he's one of those guys that he's the best pass rusher from the edge position the Broncos have. How often do you want to pull him back from being the spy? Um, so, yeah, it is kind of like you're going to be looking at multiple players filling in this role. Drew Sanders is just the more you know natural fit, I guess, so to speak, since because he doesn't really have a role on the defense at the moment. Um, but it's not going to be one guy filling it in. You're going to look into a little bit of everyone, and you're going to look probably look at a few different like schematic changes as well up front. I'm really looking forward to seeing Drew Sanders next year. Um, you know, I mean, I don't want to write off this season for him, but you know, he's relatively new to the different positions that he's been put in, changing schemes a lot in college. He hasn't really settled in anywhere. Let him get a year under his belt. Let his head stop spinning a little bit and let that natural athleticism start to take over. And uh, he could be a lot of fun. We saw Benito make big strides from year one to year two. Uh, Sim, uh, Sims, Sanders and Mims are two guys I'm really looking forward to maybe taking that next step. And then, well, Riley Moss would be one of those guys too because he's just been really in on special teams. Uh, but he's probably going to be getting a first shot at that opposite corner spot uh, outside of with Pat Sertan. And you want him to step up. You use some uh, some pretty good resources on him. Yeah, and I mean, I'm excited for this seeing this year's class next year. And I know a lot of people want that immediate impact from the rookie class. But when your first pick ends up being the last pick in the second round, <laughs> you're not going to get a lot out of them year one. I'm really excited to see what they can do. I'm curious to see, I, I'm, I'm curious to see what JL Skinner gets out get they get out of him next year. He has a chance to compete for a, a larger role because I doubt Kareem Jackson will be back. Um, PJ Locke is set to be a free agent. Caden Stearns has had issues staying healthy, so that safety room is all up in the air. And then Alex Forsyth has a chance as well to compete for the starting center job next year if they don't bring Lloyd Cushenberry back, which seems rather unlikely that they do. So Drew Sanders. He's probably one of the guys I'm most excited about about this year's rookie class to see next year. Riley Moss is right there behind him. I'm looking forward to seeing another first round pick for a change. It's been, <laughs> it feels like it's been a, been, a, been a minute, been a minute since we've seen a first round pick come in. The last one I remember, let's see, some guy named Sertan, wasn't it? Was he the last first round pick? He's turned out to be all right. That was a pretty good class. Yeah. Kevin Gray coming in says, Ina, Lance, Eric, and Scott, big mile high salute. Back at you. To Broncos country, that's all y'all. 
Denver Broncos for life, MHH for life, and Buckham with a big old B. We got David McElrath coming in. Good to see you, David. He says, good evening, Broncos country. Lance Eric Dillon and Deacon Scott. Hashtag 11 and 6. I tell you what, David looked delusional <laughs> with 11 and 6 when it was 1 and 5. Now he's starting to look like you know David McElrath. We're gonna, he, he go, he's, he's called the Papa Bear by folks that are close to him. We're going to have to come up with something a little different. The Broncos prophet, the Oracle. <laughs> David McElrath, if this team pulls off 11 and six after sitting one and five. Yeah. I mean, his positivity throughout with, the, you know, the record and all that, it's just, it's contagious talking to him, meeting him at the meet and greet, you know, he was positive and just a joy to sit there and talk with. And it's, it's just contagious, David. So thank you so much for constantly being a source of positivity on the Dove Valley Deep Divers, where when it's Lance and I, we tend to be a little bit more negative. So your, your positivity always helps balance us out a little bit. Oh, I mean, to be fair, there's been a lot to be negative about um, in Broncos country recently, especially, you know, since this is my third year covering this team with y'all at Broncos country, mm -hmm. this is my third coach covering this team, not counting interim coaches, uh, covering this team with Broncos country. And the third coach started off one in five. There's been a lot to be upset about. I think that that's not a hot take, y'all. I think uh, you would agree with me. And God bless, this is fun. This has been so much fun. Instead of starting to look at, look, okay, we're gonna have to start looking at salary cap and uh, and and draft picks in October. And you're sitting there at one and five. No, no playoffs, baby, playoffs. And as as David finishes off, he says the Lions are going to be tough at home. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. We'll get into all of that stuff because David has a comment on that too. Other than David, David K, David Cromelo. Good to see you, David. He says, Russell Wilson's 2024 roster spot still shouldn't be safe, even if the Broncos do squeeze into the playoffs. Also, I sadly concur with Eric that the Lions should win tomorrow because of their running game. Uh, Eric, what do you think about this? I mean, I think that... The biggest thing with Russell Wilson's roster spot always comes back to the money. Do you want to sit there and stick with him for two years or use this chance to move on? I think there's a possibility to stick with him and do something with the contract. We work things, move some money around. They have a lot of options and I think they're still very much evaluating it. I think they want to try to figure out a way to keep him at least for, you know, 2024, um, figure out something with the money that way. I'm not, you know, I'm not a cap guy really. So I can't, do all the math to figure out how that would work. But it seems like they want to try to figure out a way to keep him, but they understand the financial situation they're in because they're projected to be over the cap. And as for the Lions game tomorrow, yeah, this Broncos run defense really concerns me against the Lions running game. I think the best way that you're thinking about it, unfortunately, if we talk about why don't they just restructure him? Restructure, you have to have some leverage to restructure somebody. Either you have your leverage of we want this guy to be around for a little bit longer or we can cut him and save money. I've got $18 million. He's got a $3 million dead cap. Dude, we save $15 million if we cut you. His dead cap number is still astronomical. So if you're going to move some money around, he's not giving it back. You're going to have to put on void years in order mm -hmm. to do something like that. And what void years mean is when he's gone, you've got an automatic dead cap hit. If you can live with that, and maybe you can, if I've got three void years that add up to $30 million across year one, two, and three, 10 years each, 10 million each of those years, but the salary cap jumps up to $30 million 
I mean, $300 million, maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's absolutely worth it. Russell Wilson's going to get his money. That's mm -hmm. the thing that when we start talking about restructures, you're just kicking it down the line. You're going to have to pay that bill and deal with that salary cap at some point. Do you want to eat the dead cap in the next two years and be done? Or ride with Russell Wilson, who's playing at a decent level, and make that cap more manageable after 2025. We'll see. It will be very interesting. Uh, as we get started here in the evening, I hope y'all are thinking some pizza, because that's pizza pizza time here at Broncos Country. So as a reminder for you to make Little Caesars, who is the official pizza sponsor of the NFL, part of your game day. I am a big eater, but I am a vegetarian, so I like being able to go after pizza. Pizza is one of my go-tos to fill my stomach, and it's hard to find good taste and value at the same time like you can with Little, Caesar, Little Caesars Pizza. Order online during our Pizza Pizza pregame one hour before and three hours after NFL kickoffs, plus all day on Sunday, and get ready for some football and fun. Choose your favorite Little Caesars Pizza or pick the toppings you crave. Either way, everybody wins. Yeah, so I'm one of those weirdos that absolutely loves pineapple on pizza. I think it works so well together. And last time I had Little Caesars, which it's been a while, the their um, Hawaiian was really good. I'm also, you know, just a pretty standard pepperoni guy. I like pepperoni pizza. I, I like the Little Caesars pepperoni pizza and just plain cheese. I don't know what it is. I don't like most plain cheese pizzas from most places, but Little Caesars is one place where I can actually really enjoy it. And speaking of winning, everyone scores with convenient delivery or our in-store pizza portal pickup. So grab some friends and enjoy a few slices during the games. Yeah. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. 
No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Just a reminder, everybody, pizza, pizza. I like uh, I like hearing that. The Broncos country, I think they really like the Little Caesar sponsorship because it's fun to start shouting pizza, pizza. And then when you hear it on the field, when one of the uh, one of the uh, audibles is pizza, pizza, that becomes a lot of fun. <laughs> um, want to get to stew here. Zeus is in the house. Zeus, it is good to see you. He says, hey, all what's your pick for tomorrow's game? Can our defense uh sellers up with lions can't offer seeing you know, I'm, I'm i'm losing this one here a little bit can our defense line up maybe he's helping me out here <laughs> um he was in twice can the defense keep up with the lions fast pace offense um we'll see Stu. uh he clarifies so thank you for clarifying with another super chat zeus that's why you are on the mount rushmore of of mile high huddle um Yes, but this is a game, Eric. I've said all week that the offense is going to have to step up. I said it against the Houston Texans. The offense did not step up, and the Broncos lost that game. This offense is better. The Detroit Lions offense is as balanced an offense as you will have faced all season. I love we, – we all – Forget the 70-point game with Miami and watch Miami against everybody else. And Miami's awesome. They're explosive as hell. They're really fun to watch. I don't think they can win a game without putting the ball in the air. Mm. I think Detroit could beat you without ever throwing a pass. They're they're good enough to do that, and that's the kind of balance. And then they've got playmakers on the outside, and Sam Laporta is playing great as a rookie tight end, that they are a problem on offense. The good news is this is probably the worst defense you have seen maybe all season. I'd probably put them a little bit behind the Chargers, but this is a really bad defense, and they lost a key piece last week. I mean, despite all their issues that they've had, Aline McNeil was huge for them up front. Since he's gone out, they've had much more issues in the running game. Aiden Hutchinson, he's great, but he's struggling to you know finish sacks. He's one of he's the only player that has more than 60 pressures and less than 12 sacks on the season. He just has had issues finishing. His, he gets reckless. So there's an opening here to take advantage of that, but it all comes back to the offense and especially the passing offense. Can they be consistent? Because you're going to need more than just those flash in the pan, big explosive plays. Those are great, but you need more than that. Ali McNeil being out, that's going to open up a big door for the running game. This is one where you can really try and rely on that a little bit. But on the other side of it, you got to figure out a way to stop this, this rushing offense. You got to stop David Montgomery, Jameer Gibbs, and Craig Reynolds because those three make one heck of a trio. Um, and with the way Jared Goff has been playing lately, if you want to force turnovers, he hasn't been the most protective guy at quarterback with the football lately. So you want to put the ball in his hands and try to force mistakes that way. You start talking about not protecting the ball. That's been kind of the theme of this Detroit Lions team this year. I mean, you go back the last seven games. This isn't just, okay, we've asked. You had five turnovers against the Chiefs, then four the next week, then three the next week. How long can this go on? <laughs> 14 turnovers in seven games for the Detroit Lions. 
That's a problem. That's that's not just a statistical anomaly. That's a trend. Mm-hmm. And they've been giving the ball away a lot. Um, so three turnovers to the Bears. They beat the Saints after jumping out to a 21 to nothing lead in the first seven minutes of the game and held on to win that game 33 to 28 as the Saints uh, were able to come back. And one of the reasons they were able to hold on to that lead, no turnovers. Three turnovers against the Green Bay Packers at home. Four turnovers against the Chicago Bears at home. It's a story of this game, man. It, it really <laughs> is. This is it's the story of this game. The team that wins the turnover battle, it happens more times than not, but really for this one, I, I think I think Denver needs to win the turnover battle to win this game. Yeah, I mean, it's like, what, 90-plus percent if you win the turnover battle, you win the game? It's just being able to steal that extra possession for your offense, even if they aren't a consistent offense like the Broncos have, you can get it in great field position, which at least should be three points. Um, you're hoping for a touchdown, and with the way the Broncos' offense has been, you might get that splash play that you need to get that touchdown, especially with Cortland Sutton, and just being able to throw it up and have him basically come down with it in the end zone um, with the way he has been. Um, and with the Lions' offense and turning over the ball, it's all the more reason why you want to force the ball into Jared Goff's hands. The last time one of their top three running backs fumbled was week eight. They've only fumbled three times on the season. So you do not want to let them just run away with the game, literally, and get those extra possessions by forcing the ball into Jared Goff's hands. He is one of the worst quarterbacks when it comes to under pressure because he has such a high turnover-worthy turnover play percentage, creating the opportunities for the defense. Um, so get pressure on him. Um, he, he's hard to sack, but Justin Herbert was hard to sack, and look what the Broncos did to him before he left the game. Um so you can still get sacks from them, but you're, the biggest thing is you're going to be creating more of a possibility to get the takeaways that this defense is going to need. Okay. You mentioned uh, you know stopping this running game. As good as the Denver Broncos defense has been over the last two months, they have not been successful in successfully double their, their – let me say the Department of Redundancy Department. They have not been successful in limiting the running game over the course of those two months. How – schematically what can they do to help slow down the running game or are they okay with you moving the ball seven yards at a time and moving it on the ground where we don't think you can do anything but kick a field goal if you have if, if you have to string 12 plays together we think you will make a mistake is that part of it or you know what are they going to do to throw bodies without exposing themselves on the back end that's that's a good question because the Lions offensive line is one of the best run blocking units in the NFL. They are so big and physical and this Broncos defensive line is just a bunch of the Jags outside of Zach Allen. DJ Jones has been playing terrible this year. Jonathan Harris has looked like a mid-level like replacement depth guy at best. Mike Purcell, he's had a couple of good games recently so maybe he's, you know, finally getting going, but he hasn't been great. They've had issues at the edges. The linebackers have been filling in well, but when Mike Purcell is getting put on the ground or Jonathan Harris is put on the ground and that blocker is able to get to the second level, they're taking the linebackers out of it. And that is one thing the Lions do so well. So you got to figure out something schematically, whether it is, you know, changing up your packages a little bit, using safety, uh, safety down and kind of being more of a single high defense, using that safety kind of 
extra to help fill in the inside the box. You got to you got to figure something out because you you're not going to win this game allowing them to get seven yards a chunk, six yards six yards a rush or whatever. You got to stop the run you, because you need them to be able to pass the ball. They'll take rushing six yards per rush or five even five yards per rush all the way down to the end zone. Like if they don't have to have Jared Goff throw it often, they're fine with that because the passing game has been where all these turnovers have been coming from for the majority of, for the basically the whole season. So you got to figure it out. And how you do that, I am not sure what the personnel the Broncos have. Yeah, second and five, second and three is bad news for this team. You mentioned multiple packages, and we've been talking food. I want to talk some more food and having packages delivered right to you. This holiday season, you might be looking for nutritious, convenient meals to keep you energized on jam-packed days. Enter Factor. It's a blessing sent from the football gods to Broncos country. Factor is America's number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, and it can help fuel you up fast for breakfast, lunch, and dinner with chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals delivered straight to your door. With Factor, you'll save time, eat well, and stay on track with your healthy lifestyle while tackling all of your holiday to-dos, and Lord knows there's enough of them. So skip the stress of meal prepping over the holidays with Factor. Choose from more than 35 weekly flavor-packed, fresh, never-frozen meals that support a healthy lifestyle and meet your meal preferences all delivered right to your door and ready to eat in two minutes. This December, get Factor and enjoy eating well without the hassle. Simply choose your meals and enjoy fresh, flavor-packed meals delivered to your door. Ready in just two minutes, no prep, no mess. And this isn't a service for holiday season only. No, Factor is a way of life 365 days a year. So head to factormeals.com slash huddle50 and use our code huddle50 to get 50% off. That's huddle50 at factormeals.com slash huddle50 to get that 50% off. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, Eric. Uh, Troy has a good question coming in here. Good to see you, Troy, coming in with a super chat. He says, hey, guys, I hope Atkins continues to progress and Sanders can get more oriented and counter some serious speed with the Lions. Have a great show. Thank you. It's better now that you're here. Um, Atkins continue to progress. Help me out with this one, Eric. Um, Yeah, Nate Atkins, it's been rough when he's been out there on the field this year. <laughs> um, he's shown some promise as a blocker, but the consistency is not there. But he's a rookie tight end, and tight ends are one of the positions, one of the hardest positions. Uh, it's probably, you know, top five, top three hardest positions to transition to the NFL because you're asked to do so much. You have to know everything with the blocking, all the blocking concepts, and all that, and as well as everything with the passing game. Like you just have to know all everything with it. Um, extremely difficult. He seems to be a smart kid, still putting it together. I, he's one of those rookies that I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do next year with more growth and development. I'm not sure how much time he's going to get because it sounds like Lucas Kroll has kind of taken that third tight end spot, though. Atkins was a coach's son, if I'm not mistaken. His coach was, uh, and he was an offensive lineman while he was coming through high school. 
if I'm uh, if I'm not mistaken on that. So that was kind of his niche as he was coming through was being a good blocker, and he's a little bit more. He's got a little bit more athleticism to it um, to him. And yes, the Broncos are going to need to bolster the tight end room next year. Uh, Manhurts, I think, is on a one-year deal. Troutman, I'm sure, is on a one-year deal. Dulcich is unreliable. You can't pencil him into you, – you can't count on him for anything for next year. Uh, anything you get from him would just be gravy. Uh, but I can't go into next year with him written in Sharpie in my in my lineup saying, okay, we're going to game plan around, game, uh, around Greg Dulcich. You can't do that. You just can't. So you're going to have to make some moves there. And if it can come internally, that means I can use resources in other spots. That's a good thing. So, yeah, uh, Kroll and Atkins, two guys that should get their chances coming up. Appreciate you, Troy. Um, one thing that scares me a little bit, you know, you don't want to face a hitter that's in a slump. Well, he's slumping. Yeah, but he's going to come out of that eventually. You know who had a really poor game last week for the Detroit Lions on the offensive side of the ball? Amon Ra St. Brown. He is a hell of a receiver, and sometimes you need to get lucky in the – day late day two early day three in order to get a guy like this and keep him cost controlled where i can spend some other money and he's been really good and eric he struggled mightily last week yeah i mean and he's the as great as patrick sertan is one of the best young corners in the nfl this has been a down year for him um been absolutely great in man coverage but he's been predominantly playing zone and he's been struggling there and it's a specific type of receiver. And Amon Ross St. Brown is one of those styles of receivers that Sertan has always struggled with, even going back to college. The quicker guys that can, you know, create sudden separation and make that catch and turn upfield. It is something that Sertan has always struggled with. So I am concerned that this could be that correct, that get right game from him, so to speak, um, even with Sertan on him, just because the style matches up. Obviously, I'm hoping Sertan is able to shut him down. Um, but it's just, it's, it's a concern. As you said, I mean, in all sports, everybody who has a slump eventually comes out of it. Yeah. You, you need uh, some help from your friends with guys like that. If you can beat them up at the line of scrimmage, cause they're going to move him around to try and get him off press. So make sure whoever he's near, make sure you give him a shot and bang on him a little bit. Cause if he's running free, he is going to be a problem. Let's flip it over to the other side of the ball, Eric. What are you expecting from this Broncos offense against a truly vulnerable Detroit Lions defense? I would try to do as much of the same as you've been doing, just finding more consistency in the passing game. You know, run the ball, take advantage of Lee McNeil being out there, take advantage of Aiden Hutchinson's um, over-aggressiveness at times. Good run defender, but he's... Um, I can't remember who it was. It was somebody with The Athletic. They did an article back when the Raiders were playing the Lions. And it was talking about Max Crosby and Aiden Hutchinson and their play style against the run. They're the type of edges you want to run at, even though they are so good against the run, because what they do best is chasing the ball down from behind. They mm -hmm. get aggressive, they get upfield, and they leave their gap open. So you want to run at them. And I, I kind of you kind of want to do that, even with especially with the Lee McNeil out. Sit there and ease it up using the running, use the running game to open up your passing game, find more consistency, use play action. Don't do naked bootlegs because the way defenses are being taught to do to defend them, especially the backside defender, they just don't aren't effective hardly at all anymore. 
and still hope for those big splash plays, more consistency, the explosive plays, running the ball. That's what you want. And the Broncos are so close to it. They're just lacking the passing game consistency at the moment. Our guy, Ethan DWI guys isn't in here. He is a huge fan of inside linebackers and would like to see a true playmaker at that position for the Denver Broncos. That said, the Detroit Lions spent a first-round draft pick on Jack Campbell, and he has struggled as a rookie. And Alex Anzalone is having one of his – I covered him in high school. He's got to be getting old. Uh, uh, he's – he's because uh, I'm old. Um, he's struggling as well. I think if you can lock down your screen game, I know you don't like screens, and if I was a Denver Broncos fan, I wouldn't like screens either. But a well-run screenplay is a thing of beauty. It's freaking artwork. It's diabolical seeing a guy out there with a thousand pounds of men in front of him clearing the way. And is this the game where you can finally get that against these linebackers that are struggling so mightily? Or is Aiden Hutchison just going to shut it down on his own? I don't think it made it into my prediction, but this was one of the games where I was all about using screens. <laughs> then when I was watching over them, one thing I noticed is that the linebackers, it's... It's not that they don't have a high football IQ. It's that they don't tend to read screen plays very well. They tend to miss those guys leaking out. So this is a game where continuing using the running backs and tight ends, you know, and those the flats a little bit, I think could be effective. And you can build up on that by using a by using the screen game um, with good effectiveness. Because especially the defensive backs for the Lions, they don't play physically downhill against the screens hardly at all. They're very passive aggressive against it. Um, so this is one game where I go against my true nature of hating screens to where I really want to see a lot of screens this week. And again, uh, you know, when they when the Broncos were first starting to dial up short passing plays, what I was seeing was one man screens. You know, it was it wasn't trying to get student body right out there with three guys out in front of you because they just weren't getting there. Lloyd Cushenberry was showing up in time to pick somebody up off the pile. The first screenplay that was a touchdown, I, I don't remember if it was to McLaughlin or Javante Williams. What I do know is who was out in front of it was Quinn Miners, and he was by himself out there. In the last couple weeks, I've seen Cushenberry get out to the left. I've seen Cushenberry get out to the right as the second man out there. So if I can find space for Javante Williams against a back seven is, again, diabolical. He's, he's mm -hmm. going to deliver some punishment. And then you've got the quickness of Jaleel McLaughlin. I would love to see some of that. And you know what else I love seeing is Gary Palmer coming in. Good to see you, Gary. He's coming in with a super chat. He says, hey, Eric and Scott. He says, hi. I say, hey, apologies. I'm a redneck. Hi, Eric and Scott. Thanks for great analysis. Who steps in for Benito? Go Broncos. Yeah, it's a good callback for this. Now that we're 30 minutes into the show, we talked a little bit about this with Benito. And I think that you want to try and the, the original question from uh, – from was it Stu or David? I don't remember who it was asked about Benito and says, can Drew Sanders fill that role? And I don't know that he really can fill all of that role, but he can fill parts of it. So Gary, I think what you want to try and do is, is moneyball this thing and get Nick Benito in aggregate. And if I'm not mistaken, I'm probably mistaken. I first remember the spy when I first saw it. There's Nick Benito. Nick Benito's out there in a spy. Was that against Justin Fields? Or was that against was that later on against Josh Allen? For some reason, I feel like it was against Josh Allen. 
I think they used them a couple times against Justin Fields, but really settled into it doing it against yeah. Josh Allen. Okay, or was it Patrick Mahomes? So again, I don't remember what it was. I just remember like who's going to spy this guy, and as soon as we we came out, who's going to be this guy? This guy, I'm like hell, it's got it's McBenito out there lined up as an inside linebacker that's playing the spy position on those guys. So the versatility that you have with these this group of outside linebackers to move them around because. They're really hybrids. They're more like true outside linebackers rather than defensive ends playing outside line, playing edge in a three-four. They're two hundred and fifty-pound guys that can run. So you're able to do, use them in different ways. And by God, Vance Joseph is finding different ways to use these players. And Vance Joseph has done a phenomenal job with this defense the last two months of the season. Phenomenal. Yeah, I'm Nick Kendall. He did a interview with Cody Alexander and Nick's been sharing privately some of that. I'm really excited. It's supposed to drop tomorrow. Well worth a listen. And from what Nick said, Cody Alexander absolutely praises Vance Joseph and the job he's doing. He's not an overly big fan of the personnel the Broncos have, but what Vance Joseph is doing with them is just great. And I agree with that, uh, with what Vance Joseph, what we've seen from Vance Joseph doing now to what he was complete flip. I mean, I was one of the guys that was in there calling for him to be fired because it was just atrocious. He didn't know who, what he was who doing. Was, with who team. was out there saying we should give this guy more time? I mean, that's the anomaly. The guy <laughs> yeah. that was out there saying, other than Sean Payton, that yeah. was out there saying, let's just give Vance Joseph more time. Hats off to you. There is, it's, and, and, and bring receipts. I want to see them with timestamps because it just wasn't, it, it, you weren't alone, dude. Everybody was saying this, this has got to change. I mean, he was just, he was, it was the biggest thing was he was running a scheme that he never coached before. And it was clear. And when you watch the tape and you see him calling, you know, third and long coverages on first down where the backs are, or the corners are turning their back to the ball, like no wonder there's issues, but he's gone back to more what he does. And he's been really creative with his looks up front and with Nick Benito out and throwing Drew Sanders in. I think you have a chance to be even more versatile out of that. Because there's been some of these looks where you have Cooper, Browning, and Benito all lined up to each other with Zach Allen on the opposite side. Well, now you have Cooper, Browning, and Sanders. And Browning and Sanders both have experience working as that linebacker as well as a pass rusher. That's going to make it even harder for to guess who's going to come because either one of those can drop into coverage realistically because they have the experience doing it. Um, so it's... I'm really curious to see what what Vance Joseph is able to do to make up for missing Nick Benito with replacing him through a using a little bit of everyone. Lawrence says it was me. Lawrence, you've been calling since Demarcus Ware, who has not coached anywhere to be defensive coordinator since last Thanksgiving. <laughs> I'm not buying it, brother. I'm not. You know what I will buy, though, is Lawrence coming up with some stars saying, what up, guys? We need to make the screens work now for a playoff run. Yeah. We, you would put this in right as we had started talking about it. I'm sorry I didn't highlight it at the same time because uh, you're you're dead on. The screenplays, they're such a staple of the Sean Payton short. The, the short passing game is an extension of the running game for him, and it needs to work better for this defense, for this offense to become what it needs to become for the Broncos to go where they want to go. But he says they pull the defense closer so Russ can do what he does best, which is launch it. Amen. Russ has taken some shots. He's taken many more shots in the in the recent weeks. 
some have worked, some haven't, some have been his fault. Some of a lot of them haven't been his fault. Mm. Go back to what was it? The, the, the Texans game, you know, that first one is Cortland Sutton that goes down. And if I'm going to win or lose on Cortland Sutton, dropping a ball, I'm going to win a lot of football games, a lot. We're not giving him much grief for dropping that ball, but he makes that catch things change. Mm-hmm. Next series, I think it was, or you know, pretty soon after a turnover, wherever it was, it's a pivotal play. Launch one deep for Mims. It's a little underthrown. That's okay. I don't want to overthrow the guy, not give him a chance. Instead, if I underthrow him, at least I'll get the pass interference, except it wasn't called. There's a 50-yard play. Jerry Judy launching one downfield as he breaks his hand. It should have been 50, and, and Jerry Judy's making a hoops with his arms instead of trying to catch the ball. And, you know, saying two points after the fact, after it goes right through the hoops in his arms. So, yes, the screenplay, the running game, it all sets up those big shots. And you don't need a lot of them. You don't need a ton of them to to keep that defense honest, Eric. No, you don't. And that's one thing, too, is that I was really hard on Russell Wilson uh, earlier in the season. The shots were there, and he wasn't taking it. He was being really passive with the with the aggression there. And some of them, like there was a shot they would have beat the Raiders had he just hit this because it was it was a home run hit the guy was wide open I can't remember if it was Cortland Sutton or Jerry Judy of course Jerry Judy has to actually catch the ball so maybe not but he had his receiver wide open and he's looking at him and looking at him and looking at him it's a good second and a half as he's watching the guy run the receiver run open only to dump it off so it's things like that that were so frustrating so it's great to see that he's starting to be more aggressive and it's working out and I mean, as you said, those underthrown balls, I hate, I hate the underthrown pass for a defensive pass interference. I absolutely hate it. What I hate is overthrowing and not giving a guy a chance to make a play. That's even worse. Yeah, yeah. It's mm. and that 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 is very that is a lot worse. Is like so it's kind of like as much as I hate it going for that, if it still benefits the Broncos, like it still works out. I'm still gonna hate it, but I'm gonna be happy. It's going to be a, like a happy hate um, that it worked out for them that way. Uh, I, I absolutely I love no, what they've been doing. Can you not hit the guy in stride? You're a professional quarterback, man. No, I, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, so it's just a matter of that. And it was so frustrating watching this last game with Jerry Judy and two of those deep shots they took to him. And then that touchdown catch. It's so frustrating watching that. Um, I've been talking quite a bit and even you know putting it in writing that i believe that the way that they're using jerry judy isn't the best fit for what jerry judy does and they need to make that switch and start using marvin mims in that role a little bit but you know you have all this money you have this large investment in jerry judy with him being the first overall pick so you're trying to make it work but the mixture of russell wilson and jerry judy just doesn't go well together here's where i missed on that is I figured with Russ's ability to extend a play, the guy that would be the would benefit the most from that would be the quickest guy on the field, which would be Jerry Judy. The, you know, coming back and bailing out your quarterback, turning and going and doing all those things. The problem is I underestimated or overestimated an aspect, a trait that I just took for granted for that to have to happen. What is that trait? on extended plays that you have to have happen, Eric, to go. And I'm not sure if you've frozen up on me, so I don't want to leave you hanging. There you are. <laughs> um, what trait do you have to have to extend plays, you know, that 
you, you just take for granted for a professional player. Work uh, ethic. <laughs> You've got to hustle. You've got to keep working. Work, work, work. I've got to see the field. I got to turn. I got to keep running. Not just, okay, I'm running my route. The ball's not coming to me. I'm done. Play's over. I'll never get the ball that way. Yeah. And and by God, Russell Wilson is going to extend a play and get you the ball if you will work. That's the biggest disappointment to me, Eric. Yeah, and that's one reason why I think you see that there is much more chemistry between Wilson and Sutton because when you watch Sutton, I've never fully gotten the questions about his effort. I mean, there are times as a blocker when it's on the backside of the play, but every receiver will kind of like meh with it. But when the play is still going, when he has to work, when the scramble drill is happening, he is still working to get open, not something we're seeing with Judy. And it's the the work ethic and the attitude with Judy has always been such an issue with Man. me. Um, and it's just, <laughs> it, it's frustrating because you see him, and I think it was against the Chargers, uh, or not the Chargers, the um, Texans, whereas the one shot where, he Wilson ended up throwing it to I think it was Sutton and Judy was wide open and Judy's assistant and starts throwing essentially a little fit on the field that he wasn't even looked at like that to me is so frustrating um and everything and I'm it's a little bit hypocritical here because you know I excuse KJ Hamler against the Colts game a little bit um uh, for him you know throw slamming his helmet down all that to me the slight difference there is that was a bona fide game winner with KJ yeah. Hamler um, so I get the frustration there because it's also the frustration that it costs you the game. Right. Um, and it's wasn't as consistent with Hamler as it was as it is with Jerry Judy. It's so much in what Jerry Judy is for all the attitude and all, all the issues with him, his one or two big plays is not enough for me to ignore it. What do you make me a trade offer? Okay, I'm sitting there, Denver Broncos. I'm shopping Jerry Judy. Make me a trade offer for next year. I would give a trying to put as little of my own personal bias in it and just go with and familiarity can breed contempt. It works both ways. I would probably go with a third and probably a fifth or a sixth but I want a sixth or a seventh round pick back as well. Lawrence says a sixth over there on Facebook. FRF says a seventh rounder. Rodney Garcia says uh, a fourth rounder. Pearl says a fifth rounder. I want money. I want money too. That's the one thing we keep forgetting. It's like, wouldn't it be nice? Would you rather have Jerry Judy next year? Or would you rather have, I'm just going to say, his $13 million contract? I think that's plus or minus one yeah. on his fifth-year option. Would you rather have $13 million of salary cap or would you rather have Jerry Judy next year? Yeah. So you have to ask yourself that question in a trade. Is someone else going to be willing to give up a draft choice and take on $13 million in salary? That becomes a tough sell. So my offer to you would be a third rounder and you're picking up $10 million. 
and also just to add to that too is not only are they picking up 13 million dollars they're probably looking at an extension of some sort as well because it will be the final year of his deal Mm -hmm. and if not then you're asking that third round pick that's a big ask for a guy who's going to be there for one year um i think that jerry judy with there, there's certain teams that I think that he makes a lot of sense for that would be willing to do it. Um, maybe Denver eats a little bit of money to help out um, or whatever. How much did they eat with, uh, with Bradley Chubb? They ate some. I can't, I can't remember with Bradley Chubb. I, I know with Von Miller, we they know they Chubb. bought a pick from the, from uh, the Rams when they traded Von Miller. They took on his entire freight, every yeah. penny of it, and got a second and third out of it because they bought a third rounder for i'm gonna say they traded him for a third and they bought a second rounder for 10 million dollars or whatever it was the rest of that money on his contract but that's the thing we got to think about I, I joke all the time when people get frustrated with a player this dude's lazy he's always hurt he's dropping every ball he's too expensive trade him man that's a hell of a sales job you just did there who the yeah. hell's gonna want that guy i'm not gonna want a guy who's a liability on the field and 13 million dollars what are you gonna trade him yeah. for and that's that's the thing is like just with his style of play and that's where i would really try and highlight his attitude is because he just isn't working with russell wilson maybe with a different quarterback who can use that route runner who isn't a guy who is very much a um run around and make that throw guy you know the russell wilson style the escape the extending plays but a guy who's going to be more on time and rhythm maybe your team has that quarterback that better fits that and that should cut down on some of the attitude issues um and that, judy, that would try to be my the myself my biggest sell is that judy is due 13 million next year who was the genius that gave him that contract all of us were uh <laughs> at the point last year all of us were um around october last year we're saying no way and then when you've got to make that decision of picking up his fifth year option or not, he goes for about 600 yards in four games and says, yeah, you got to risk it on this guy. You've got to pick up this option. It kind of became a no brainer at that point. And you ended up with the risk of, are you going to end up having a $13 million fifth year receiver? That was the risk. Um, you might've been better off saying, cause I've kind of been joking a little bit, Eric, over the last couple of weeks, I said, well, hell, you want Jerry Judy on your team next year because the last six games of the season, he is going to ball out because he'll be on a contract year. He's going to earn that contract, baby. Let him earn it and go somewhere else. Don't fall for this again. Fool me once. Yeah, the, next, I was... the last six games of next year, watch for Jerry Judy to put up about 600 yards and five touchdowns. I was always skeptical with Jerry Judy just because I always go back to his when Denver traded Russell Wilson, I was always worried about the fit between him and Wilson. It's always been an issue with me with just the play styles. They just didn't mesh. I was still for giving him that, the picking up the fifth year option. I was like, not going to lie and say I wasn't. No, but no. I, at I the was, end of the year, I, we all were. It was yeah. fairly unanimous. At the end of last season, well, he had, he, he finished his, that four game stretch after Hackett was gone. Let me, let me look it up real quick. Uh, go ahead and make your point. I'm going to look up the numbers, but they were, good yeah and what what that game did or what those games did is they showed wilson and judy working well together they seemed to develop chemistry the timing was there the rhythm was there so it gave that kind of little bit of comfort that hey they figured this out and they can keep it and sustain it going 
and Sean Payton's coming in. Of course, he's going to sit there and help, you know, continue to develop that and expand upon it. But something just has happened. I don't know if it's Sean Payton. I don't know if it's Wilson. I don't know if it's Judy. Not trying to point blame here, but they didn't. And it just kind of stepped back. So here, here's the thing. Last year, he finished um, his last games of 2022. Uh, let me see here. It was 65. He had one. He had one catch, and then he was out for zero. One target, zero receptions against Tennessee in a loss. And then he was 65 yards, 73 yards, 76, 117, 38, and 154 in the win over the Chargers. He finishes his his uh, junior season, his third year, with 67 catches, 972 yards, and six touchdowns. The guy that broke the wide receiver market, who would you say one of those first free agent contracts that hit when the free when the, the numbers went crazy before last year? Do you remember who it was? I don't know. It was Christian Kirk. And good evening, Amy. How are you doing? Wanted to say hello. It was Christian Kirk. Okay. So last year, Jerry Judy finishes with 67 catches, 972 yards, and six touchdowns. Christian Kirk, before he hit free agency with the Arizona Cardinals following his fourth year, had 77 catches, 982 yards, and five touchdowns. Christian Kirk, I think he signed a $45 million contract. It may have been worse more than that. Christian Kirk gets hits the free agent market, and the Jacksonville Jaguars send him a four-year, $72 million contract with $37 million guaranteed. So that's basically was a three-year, $37 million contract, and he was going to get three-year, $50 million. For the same numbers that Jerry Judy put up last year. So yeah, picking up his fifth year option was the right thing to do. It it was. It's it's an expensive market out there. We're frustrated with Jerry Judy, but he'll keep playing. He's going to be in the league a long time. Um, But again, if someone offered me a seventh and said, I'll take the full freight on that contract, I'd probably take it because the money right now might be more important to me than a third pick versus a six or seven, a day three pick. The money is a big one here for me, Eric. And it makes sense, especially when you look at the salary cap situation the Broncos are in. They're projected to be, what, like 25 to $30 million over the cap next year, depending on what it settles at. Um, I can't remember exactly how much, but they got to make a lot of wiggle room, especially if they want to add a few guys. They're not going to be on a big spending spree like they were this year. So that money is a big factor for it. And you're looking at the, especially the budgeting over the roster because each position has its own budget. Look at how expensive this wide receiver room is. I already think that Tim Patrick's on his way out and you have Marvin Mims ready to step in and wide receiver is becoming one of those positions. That's easier to replace year in year out. Maybe not with, maybe not the elite guys, but what, you know, with those second, third tier or second and third level guys with how many receivers come into the NFL every year, especially this year's draft. There is such a wide mix that is set to be in the 2024 draft that there are plenty of options that can sit th- that you can look at to replace both Tim Patrick and Jerry Judy. So getting out of that, getting out of Jerry Judy's contract, getting him moved even for a seventh round pick and freeing up that extra space would be huge. Yeah. I, I just think, there's so many. I feel like I can pick out 
two or three receivers in the side that go in the second round every year that are like that dude's gonna get it done. Mm-hmm. Um that I don't necessarily like. I know how important they are. I just feel like you can all right, well, let's hit them in the first in the second round, and then I'll pay them later if I need to. Um Troy comes in, he says, obviously I might be wrong, but I think Jerry Judy has a huge game this week. It'd be great. It'd be it'd be time. Problem is he's already got his money for next year. So I'm I'm a little worried about his effort and attitude. Let's see the back half of next season. That's when he might uh might blow up. Um Lawrence asks again, would you guys rather give that money to Tim Patrick and let Judy walk? Absolutely not. Uh Tim Patrick hasn't played. It will be going on three years, and he's 30 years old. By the time he is back out on a football field, if he is back out on a football field, um, he's got a $6 million dead cap hit against a $16 million cap hit next year. He is a cut candidate. And can you cut and re-sign him? Or just will they call it a restructure, which is what they did with Graham Glasgow two years ago, which was a cut and re-sign. Listen, we can either cut you or you can come back for $3 million. Yeah. Um, heavily incentivized 3 million. I might add, that's how I might do it. You get a million dollars. If you get X amount of snaps over the course of the season, X amount of yards, another million. If you hit 500 yards, another million. If you hit a a thousand yards, five touchdowns, I'll give you a million 10. I'll give you another million. Um, so I might heavily incentivize that contract as well, but Tim Patrick, it's going to be tough to get him. It's tough to get him on the field now. And he's under contract. It's going to be real tough to get him on the field next year. And it sucks. Like in, injuries suck, especially when they are so derailing for a career. Because Tim Patrick was set. A lot of people thought he was going to be wide receiver one. The last each of the last two years, he was going to end the season. He's going to be wide receiver one. And he hasn't made first, it out of training camp. What first three days, both years of training camp, he's done for the season. Um, and it sucks. And with Tim Patrick, what is especially sucky about it is he's had issues with injuries going back to college going back to high school um so so it's just hard i'd be fine with you know that restructure you know we're gonna cut you but not really and just basically redo your deal kind of situation with the heavily incentivized offer that bases on x amount of snaps x amount of catches all this Mm -hmm. stuff like that um for, for one year and just see what happens there. And maybe he can go get a big contract elsewhere if he really explodes and stays healthy. But even then it's going to, it's, he's not going to see another deal that was as, and as player friendly as his last one, the one that he's currently on, which isn't overly player friendly in the first place, Mm-mm. but it's going to be even less. So going forward. Yeah. It was 3 million, 18 and a half guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm glad he got that deal when he did. Yeah. Uh, I'm happy for him. It, it hasn't overly hurt the Denver Broncos. I mean, it didn't do them any favors. You, the, the, the money that you lost there, that I'm glad that he is financially set for life. Um, cause he's, that just sucks to have your livelihood taken away from you like that. These guys are competitors and the human element says it just sucks for Tim Patrick, who has, you love his story. You love the work he's put in and having it taken away in training camp the last two years is just devastating. So, uh, very, very happy for him. Um, Zach Powers asks, he goes, who will not be on the roster next year? Uh, K1 Williams, Tim Patrick, Mike Purcell. Um, I wouldn't, I would try and find a way to, the, the thing with K1 Williams, let me spit this out, spit it out, Scott. He's cheap. 
he was on a really cheap deal. I couldn't believe how cheap he was. He was like $2 million or something. It wasn't, it wasn't much money at all, relatively speaking. I might find a way like uh, Tim Patrick to find and get him on an incentive-laden deal and see if I can get him in, but he is an unrestricted free agent. And he had a two-year deal, two-year $5.2 million with $2.5 million guaranteed. So you're paying some injury settlement to him this year, but he was one of your best defensive players last year. If he loses half a step, maybe I can get him as a third safety, as a sixth defensive back. I'd bring him to camp, and, absolutely. And as great as Jaquan McMillan has been, Absolutely love it. I was a big fan of his in the draft. Thought he should have been drafted. One of the guys is an undrafted free agent. I was like, this guy's going to do something for the Broncos. Really great to see him doing well. You still want insurance for it because mm -hmm. there is the possibility this is a flash in the pan for Jaquan McMillan. And Quan Williams, we know what he's done. Last year, the Broncos defense was night and day when he was on the field compared to when he was hurt. Um, so you you... I would be fine with bringing him back on a cheap deal, which it would be because injuries have been an issue with him. He's never played a full season in his career as extra insurance for Jaquan McMillan. And maybe you can sit there and play with it a little bit because maybe you want to try Jaquan McMillan and see what he can do on the boundary a little bit, even with his smaller size and see if he can hold up there and compete with Riley Moss. Whereas that you have the Nicholas, you know, to fall back on just adding extra competition for, Riley Moss, or at the very least, you have him starting in the nickel. You have veteran experience behind him that you you can use as you know um, an extra you know that extra defensive back. You can use him as a safety. You can use him in, in a nickel. All of that stuff. So I, I'm fine with that. Purcell, I think, is on his way out. I think he's nearing the end of his career, especially after the last two years and how bad he's been. And then Tim Patrick. It all depends on what they want to do with that contract if they want to try to do anything at all. Yes, they're going to. No, do no. I mean, I was meaning they want to try to restructure it or not. not oh, yeah. No, I mean, he's that, that contract. Consider that contract gone. Yeah, it's gone. Ten million dollars in savings. Now, do you want to try and bring him back? That contract yeah. is toast. Yeah. Now, do you want to try and re-sign him to a different deal? I mean, it's an incentive-laden deal. Epic Gamer says, "I keep hearing Dulcich is hurt again. Is that true?" He, uh, they opened up his practice window, um, and then he was listed as did not participate with hamstring slash foot, which is another new one, you know? So, so who knows? And, and Smitty says, I heard Dulcich has been ruled out. He, he's never been ruled in is yeah. the thing. They, they opened his practice window, which means you're still on injured reserve, but you're allowed to practice for 21 days before I have to make a decision, have to make a decision on whether to put you on my 53 active 53 man active roster or not. I can do that at any time during that 21-day uh, window. But Dulcich has not come off of injured reserve. He's no. still on injured reserve, so he was never in. He just and, practiced for a day, and then he was not practicing again. And there was a like that was that was a big issue like yesterday when everything came out about his foot and all that. A lot of the Broncos media were sitting there saying he was activated off injured reserve. He was not. He was wasn't on the transaction wire. It was a. They just opened the practice window. It was just using the wrong terminology from them. Still on injured reserve, as as Scott said. Uh, they have opened the twenty one day window. Gives them three weeks to see if they want him to bring him back or not. Um, the foot injury sounds 
not necessarily sounds bad, um, but it doesn't sound pos- like reassuring that he's going to come uh, come back. And it's a shame because he, there's the talent is there. We saw it last year when he was on the field. Um, and we got a small glimpse of what this offense was designed to be with an athletic tight end during that first little bit against the Raiders. Um, but he just happens to have the lower body made out of wet toilet paper and just can't stay on the field. I wonder what it took to get him to be a walk-on at UCLA to a third-round draft pick that is now having detrimental impacts on his body because was it did he have to put on a bunch of weight uh you know to to do something like that as a walk-on? I mean, it's it's tough to do that. And the it's just I I wonder if you're seeing some stress related injuries based on what he has done in the past to go from where he was, which was a nobody mm-hmm. to being a third round draft pick in the NFL. And some of that is just, uh, you know, no, the receipts are coming due. on that note. While y'all are busy talking eighties fantasy movies, we're going to get out of here. We're at right at one hour. I want to thank uh, Eric for having me in tonight. Want to remind everybody to uh, like and share the show. It's the best thing you can do for us. If you're looking for some merch, I don't have any on me, but mhhmerch.com. Follow everything you see, Mile High Huddle, milehuddle.com. There you go, the Dove Valley Deep Divers shirt. And I don't have my Broncos for Breakfast mug with me today. <laughs> I got this one uh, just for Eric, my uh, my Join Us or Die <laughs> Star Wars mug that I got at the Fox lot when I was living in L.A. So that, that one's near and dear to my heart. Uh, before I get out of here, I think Doug's got a good idea. Scott, please give us your final prediction on the Broncos game. The Detroit Lions are able to hold on to the ball. The noise of the Detroit Lions and their fans inside is enough to slow down and discombobulate the offense of the Denver Broncos that the Detroit Lions come out of this one with the victory, with the V. It's uh, I've had this one chalked up as a Detroit Lions win for a long time. I'm not nearly as sure about it anymore, but the best thing I can do for you is pick the Lions. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah, I I picked the Lions as well. And the good news is if the Broncos are to lose another game, this is the best one to lose. You lose any other other ones at 10 and 7, your road to the playoffs got a lot more difficult than it is due to the tiebreakers in the AFC, you know, the conference conference tiebreakers as well as divisional tiebreakers. Losing to an NFC team, being 10-7, and seven, you still have a good shot at making the playoffs. And the good news is two of your last three opponents are on vacation. Um, <laughs> the one that is the most dangerous is the one that has an interim coach who is playing and coaching and pushing his guys because he wants to prove a point that he is worthy of a full-time job And Antonio Pierce and the Las Vegas Raiders. We said that yesterday on Broncos for Breakfast, and then the then we saw it come to fruition last night. Uh, Staley is a dead man walking. He has been fired. We didn't talk too much about that. Um, but, uh, the, the Raiders are going to be dangerous They're They're, you're going to get a shot from the Raiders. The chargers and Patriots may just roll over and die. Yeah. The Patriots are a little bit concerning just with how their defense, their defense is. is so good. Yeah. Like, especially with where the Broncos weaknesses and strengths are. Um, but the Raiders, they're always a team that they don't care if they're they've only won one game. They don't care if they're winless. They love playing spoilers. And if the Broncos still have a shot of the playoffs and they can have a chance to eliminate them, basically, oh, they're going to go all out to try to do that. 
Um, you that might game, get the new coach bump. You hope Staley was fired at the end of the season, but he, they didn't last that long. So I, the I, interim I take bump it back. Real thing. My point was that the interim will work harder and yeah. you might get that new coach bump a little bit. But I think, uh, let me see. Let me get rid of that guy um, in the chat. Um, this is This is your hardest game on your schedule here. Win this one. Take some momentum into these final few games, and let's go. Let, let, let's talk playoffs. Yeah, um, I've spent probably sixteen hours this week breaking down every single scenario. Means every game, you know, for the Bengals remaining games, the Colts flipping them back and forth, and everything. The Broncos have in basically, if the Broncos went out, they're in the playoffs. If the Broncos lose one game, it's about fifty-fifty. Mm-hmm. You're gonna need uh, some help they're, they're going to need a lot more help. Um, so it's, it's great to be, I mean, you talked about this a little bit earlier. It's great to be at a point where we can talk about playoffs. I'm lucky enough that I was covering the Broncos during the Super Bowl run and back in the, you know, those Manning years, but after so long, it's great to do it. Um, being able to talk about playoffs instead of at this point, it's like, it's all draft content from me now. Um, <laughs> so it's, it's definitely a joy, uh, to be talking, being here and being able to talk playoffs. Yeah, uh, uh, programming note, uh, the boys on uh, Orange and Blue View will be doing the gut reaction tomorrow night, and we're more than likely going to do a watch along in the fourth quarter. So make sure you're subscribed so you get the alert when we actually go live. We're going to go live. It's 99% sure that Lance and Thomas will go live sometime in the fourth quarter so we can have the watch along reactions and then dive right into the gut reaction Something we're going to try around a little bit. I've seen it very, very successful on other channels for other sports, specifically uh, European soccer. Uh, and it could be a lot of fun. So make sure you like and subscribe so you get those alerts and come join us for the watch long before the gut reaction tomorrow. And hopefully we're talking for y'all's sake, a, uh, a Broncos one in Detroit. On that note, Eric, we're going to get out of here. Y'all have a great football weekend. You are listening to Dove Valley Deep Divers with Eric Trickle and Lance Sanderson. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.